minds. And here is your host, Gary Cacciolio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Joseph Simkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, and Ms. Aida. She's author, psychic, spellcaster, and witch, and you can find her at MsAida.com, M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A.com. And this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser, and you can find Ginger at TarotByGinger.com, and she's a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer, and that is at TarotByGinger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Tom T. Moore. He's been on a couple of times, and he is a fascinating guest, and I really am excited to have him back. And he's going to talk a little bit about a message that he received from a different timeline. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Gary. Appreciate it. So, what happened? How did you get this message? Like, so we'll start from okay. the beginning. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating. We're gonna have we're gonna have to back up a little bit. Um, in two of my books, uh, uh, which is Atlantis and Lemuria, the Lost Continents mm-hmm. uh, revealed, which is like this book. It goes up. I got it too. There we go. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and also, oh you, yeah, thank you. And. Uh, uh, also, my first contact conversations with an ET. I've got a chapter on timelines in each one of those two books. Okay, so basically, uh, there are twelve parallel Earths, twelve timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, you could think of them as being actually gigantic matrices, but you know the matrix was based on just like a you know, like a computer program where everybody is just had its limits. Right. You go to the uh, out past the town or city and suddenly nothing, nothing is there. Uh, in this case, these are 12 Earths and these are called timelines. Uh, so they're the, the timelines are um, the upper timelines have easier lives than do the lower timelines. Uh, so as an example, timeline 12 is non-physical uh, uh, because our souls wanted, wanted uh, to see what a perfect life would be uh, in, for everyone. Keep in mind, everyone is born at the exact same minutes on, on the timelines, but there are exit points that are different. So as an example, I've already died of congestive heart failure on timelines one and two. So um, so the upper timeline 12 is non-physical. I kind of don't count that because, you know, I, I look at things, you know, physical. So time t- timelines 9, 10, and 11, and 12 are joined. All these timelines are in fours, and then they're subdivided into twos 
So timelines 9 and 10 would be coupled together. Then you get down to 5, 6, 7, and 8. We're on timeline 6, the middle frequency, and we're tied with timeline 5. Then you get down to the lower timeline that have much harder lives than even we do. Um, I was told just the other day that if you can imagine having lives uh, that are 10 times more strenuous than our lives are uh, and frustrating and, and all, that's what those uh, lower timelines have. Very frustrating. Everybody's yelling at each other all the time. Or whatever. So you have to have a, uh, you have to be a pretty uh, hearty soul to be able to live in those timelines. So that's, that's how they're, and it, the frequencies uh, are broken between the twos, and then there's a larger frequency between the fours. So when you break to five, six, seven, and eight, there's a, a, lar a larger jump in frequency uh, between the two. So most of our great ideas and inventions all start on the upper timelines, and they work their way down through the lower timelines. So that's, and I was kind of surprised to, to learn that. You'd think, well, we'd have a little creativity. But the creativity uh, comes from from easier frequencies and mm. and slow, slowly gets down to us. So that's that's how how things basically work on these uh, on, on these timelines. Um, any questions so far? That makes perfect sense. Okay. So um, I was wondering one day how, you know, gosh, everybody keeps talking about gun violence. You see it every single day, something, some new mass shooting or somebody's getting shot in the driveway, some kids getting shot for, for a, getting a basketball out of somebody's yard or on and on, mm -hmm. just ridiculous things. And um, so I was just kind of wondering, well, I wonder if I could, because, well, let's back up even way far. Okay. Um, uh, the, re the reason I got this idea. Um, I was told that there was a real Star Wars um, that took place about a million years ago, Earth years. Okay. But universal years are 10 times slower than Earth years. So basically this was about a hundred thousand uh, uh, universal years ago, and this Star Wars actually went on for twenty-seven thousand universal years, or two hundred and seventy thousand Earth years. So this just went on and on and on. It, it what happened? The uh, and, and I explained this in the first contact book. What what happened was that the reptilians in another galaxy, they're sort of wired to keep expanding, keep taking over planets. Mm -hmm. And so they came to this um, galaxy to start taking over some planets for their resources. So that started the Star Wars that went on for 27,000 years. And it was really terrible. I mean, both sides would 
do what are called portal hopping. They would portal hop into the other's um, galaxy mm-hmm. and pop up near one of the suns, either their sun or they do the same to us, and they would destroy the sun and all the planets uh, with billions of people on them. So this this was a terrible war, and it w- went back and forth. Well, uh, I originated from from a planet called Nomo in the Sirius B star system. It's a water planet. Uh, all but 10% of it is water. Mm-hmm. And um, I was an amphibian. I reincarnated every single life as some type of spiritual leader. And I'm, I was just told the other day, I was finally asking, never thought to ask this before, well, how many lives have I had on Nomo before I ever came to Earth? And I was told, uh, over a hundred thousand. Uh, we settled on that planet 18 million years ago. So, so here I am, you know, this little amphibian, um, spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why don't we offer the, the reptilians? I, I offered this to the group of planets. It wasn't a, a federation of planets, which it is now with 20,000 in my book. They, they didn't want to scare people. So they said it was 200 planets. Uh, they, they spoon feed, feed us information as they feel we won't be terrified by the news. So there's 20,000 planets now in this federation and they were all fighting the reptilians. And the problem was the reptilians had many more ships than these 20,000 planets did. So it wasn't going, the war wasn't going exactly very well. And so I suggested, well, why don't we offer as part of this earth experiment that the creator is going to have us do um, uh, to see if if people could exist in the four negative energies where our universe and the trillions of other universes were all created in ten positive energies. So I, I suggested, well, why, we, why don't we offer that ten percent of the souls having lives on Earth be reptilian? That was quickly turned down. They hated the reptilians, despised them, um, and and so they they absolutely turned down the idea. So 450 um, universal years go by, and finally they said, you know, and we were slowly but surely losing ground. We were, uh, you know, they just had too many ships. It was not going very well. There's another federation of planets in our galaxy. They refused to help us at all, thinking that they they could stay out of the conflict and they wouldn't be affected. Um, but so uh, these 20,000 planets were going on on their own. Finally, they said, okay, we'll offer, we'll make the offer to them. And, um, uh, and so they accepted. So this was a big deal. And sorry, I'm Forgot to do something here. Turn on the light. Maybe, maybe the light is okay, but just in case. So, I don't guess this is going to work. Sometimes the best laid plans of mice and men are dying in the dark. <laughs> so, anyway, I guess 
I won't have a wife. <laughs> and um, so uh, they accepted. And so after that, the uh, the Federation said, well, we want you to be um, uh, one of our advisors because you think outside the box. And I said, no, I, I don't. But they said, yes, you do. And so after that, anytime I had a life as a... Um, uh, as an amphibian, I'm an advisor to the whole um, uh, federation because they they came to peace. Everybody's at peace now. It, uh, uh, diplomatically, it's called the Great War. They don't call it the Reptilian War like I did, I think, starting out in the book. And um, uh, so they're very diplomatic. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so one of the things that happened was that all the the souls that wanted to be leaders of of uh, uh, religions or reli- uh, leaders of governments and all, they wanted me to be their advisor and have lives on earth. So so far, I've had a thousand and five lives, which was much higher. Most people only have six hundred to eight hundred lives, and I've already had a thousand and five. And not too long ago, a year or so, I Asked them, well, how many more lives am I going to have? And they said, oh, well, you know, a few more. And I said, well, is it 100? Is it 300? Is it 500? No, no, it's 300. So I, they, that's what they gave me. And these 300 lives, as an example, I'm having a parallel life right now mm-hmm. as a gay woman in the Pentagon. And, um, and in 2032, I'm going to become one of the main advisors for a, a woman president of the United States. So I know that's a parallel life going on right now. It's like 44 or 45 or so lives from now is when I'll finally have that one. We we have a lot of overlapping lives. It's just that we don't ever get to meet each other. They make they sort of make sure that we don't we don't run across each other in the street. I guess. Right. And, um, so, so anyway, that's, uh, that's why I was, I was saying, well, gosh, in this life, you know, I've never kind of, other than introducing pe- people to the gentle way, which has been changing thousands of lives, mm-hmm. that, that's good. And I said, I've, I've, you know, I've never come up with some kind of solution to a problem. And so when I was thinking about gun lives, um, then this little whisper in my ear said, well, you know, what about a buyback program? And, and so I came up with a buyback program, which has worked locally in a number of different places mm-hmm. in the United States. It's just that it, they're hard to set up. The police department has to take people away from, you know, guarding the streets or whatever um, uh, to set this up. But it's been very successful in Houston. They, the first buyback program they had, they had 845 um, guns turned in. In the second one, it was over 1,200. So uh, the mayor of Houston said it was the, the biggest buyback program in the country, and that it had reduced violence in the city. They said their uh, the city of Houston had a, a larger drop in violence than any other city in the United States. So that's just 
one of the many stories. So basically, it's called Guns for Groceries. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it's, it's different from these other ones. The other ones had a very limited, they, they'd have some gift cards on hand, could be $50, $100, $200, whatever, whatever depended on what people were turning in. Mine would be debit cards that could only be turned in and used at grocery stores. And it, instead of being uh, uh, operated by the Justice Department, I think, or, yeah, Justice Department, which gives 50 million here and there to for local programs, this would be administered by the ATF because they have 5,000 employees nationwide, and it will, um, it will, they have uh, the ability to take these guns when they're turned in and destroy them. They're already destroying confiscated guns, so it's not something that's out of their. Uh, wheelhouse, so to speak. So, anyway, that's the basis of the program. Uh, anyone can go to my website, which is www.thegentlewaybook.com and uh, uh, click on Articles and News and the first newsletter you'll see, you can just scroll down and you'll find this tiny URL uh, Guns for Groceries and it's a petition on AVAZ, A-V-A-A-Z dot org, which has 69 member, uh, million members uh, worldwide, but only two and a half million or so in the United States. Uh, even France has four million, to give you an idea. Um, so AVAZ has the ability to get behind us at some point and really ramp it up, but it needs a lot more people to sign the petition. Something easy anyone can do and it just pushes the number. I'm up over a thousand, but mm-hmm. I need I need a lot more. I think it's a great idea. Definitely. I'd be definitely behind it. I'll put that link into the notes of this episode so it get more people to sign up. Good. I thank you. Yeah, it's uh you know, it's something that uh you know, they uh, I saw the news today or yesterday and there's over 400 million guns in in the United States ridiculous number and probably this will only get off get maybe a million guns or so off the street but maybe while it's working somebody that you know was contemplating suicide one of their family members or a friend will take the gun away and and turn it in so they can't use it on themselves i mean it will reduce suicides if nothing else but along the way it's you know People are at first will turn in their old guns that they don't need anymore. That's fine. Eventually, you know, uh, Martha is going to say to, to George, "Hey, we're running short of food this month. Turn in one of your guns, and, and we uh, we could use it at the grocery store." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's better than taking it to a pawn shop and then having to go back out into the street. Exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people do. Yes. And, and certainly a lot safer. And, and also at the same time, um, it's not just going to be police departments. There's a lot of people that distrust the police, especially in inner cities. You know. And, and this, um, you know, I, 
recommend that the uh, that local organizations that have centers in, in, in these inner cities become drop-off places. Now, obviously, the ATF will have to provide them with with gun lockers, you know, uh, safes, so that uh, they can lock them up. Hmm. But at the same time, they will need to teach these people how to check the guns to make sure they're not loaded and also to put uh, safety um, locks on each one of them. And at the same time, if somebody uh, wants a, a safety lock for a gun at home and they don't have one, they could just stop by and it will be a free safety lock uh, provided by the ATF. That's another great idea. Because there's too many people out there who don't lock up their guns, who don't have safes. Right. You know, they keep them in the reach of, of children, and then yeah, it's a disaster. We saw we saw in a in just a two day period there there's a little two year old that shot shot itself and another one um, the next day. I, I can't remember the circumstances. So yes, kids get hold of these guns. They take their play toys and they shoot they mm-hmm. shoot the brains out. Yeah, there was like that one that brought one to school and shot the teacher, like a little kid. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Obviously, that kid did not need. (laughs) And and had there been maybe an easy, safe place to get rid of it, the parents could do that. So now the the parents are being charged, or the I think the mother or whoever it was, for endangering a child. So it's it's a way to keep. Keep yourself out of jail, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So how did you start communicating with the extraterrestrials? Um, yeah. The, um, uh, I, I normally communicate with Gaia, the soul of the Earth. Mm-hmm. There's a quantum mastermind, okay? Long history. She's, Gaia was one of the first souls that came to our universe when the, when the creator of our universe had only created about 25% of the total uh, galaxies that are in the universe now. And all the galaxies were really sort of compacted together. And, um, so, uh, yeah, uh, creator knew that she had an interest. I say she, to me, she, she, she um, had an interest in being a quantum master. So he suggested that uh, she and soul this asteroid, and the asteroid could travel from one of these one of these galaxies to the next. Because every this is something scientists have not discovered yet, but mm-hmm. every single one of the galaxies in this universe is different. Than all the others, which is just amazing. And uh, so anyway, uh, over millions of years, she had sold this asteroid that that went through all these different galaxies, and and finally, uh, uh, creator had created the Milky Way galaxy, and and she wound up coming here and taking over. So she's, you know, when I talk to her, you know, she's. Just a really knowledgeable soul. So I, I talked to Gaia, asked Earth questions from mm-hmm. her, and then I also talked to my own guardian angel, which is actually a golden light being, 
and I named him Theo uh, because he said, Tom, he said, humans don't have the vocal cords to pronounce angelic names. He said, you can call me Tom, Dick, or Harry, but Tom's going to be a little hard in your meditations. <laughs> so I thought for a couple of weeks, and I came up with Theo. Just hit me. Boom. Mm-hmm. I found out later that I've called him that in tons of lives. So he keeps, you know, whispering in my ear <laughs> what name to call him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Theo and I were having a conversation one day about ruins on the other side of the world. And and he said, he said, you're going to get to see those someday. I said, I am? He said, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you're going to see those with an ET. He's monitoring our conversation. Would you like to talk to him? And I was shocked. I thought I was having this private conversation with my own guardian angel. Right. And and lo and behold, it was a party line, as they used to call uh, telephones in, in the old days in the rural areas. And um, uh, so, so I said, no, let me think of a, a bunch of questions, and then I'll, then we'll, I'll talk. I'll, I'll come back. So a couple of weeks later, that's when I started asking uh, the CT, whose name I finally got. I kept getting ant or antu, uh, and finally one day he almost shouts in my ears, Antura! Like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm bad on names. I really am. Uh, names and numbers are really difficult. So, as an example, the other uh, of that 100,000 lives, I, I had to say, uh, you know, have I had thousands? But yes, you have. Uh, has it been as many as 50,000? Yes. A lot more than that. Oh, 100,000? Yes, a little bit more than that. Not too much. So that's that's how I have to mm-hmm. hone in on numbers someday, sometimes is by giving numbers out. When I when I got the um, uh, latitudes and longitudes for uh, Atlantis and Lemuria, boy, it was struggle, struggle, because I'd have to say, well, is it 45 degrees? No, it's a little higher. 46 degrees. No, a little bit higher. 46 and a half. You know. Finally, 47 degrees was the, the top of Atlantis uh, latitude. So I, it was really difficult. But, and in fact, it's not in the book because my my, my uh, editors and publisher couldn't understand it. So they left it off. Hmm. So I've had to put it down later. So anyway, um, so that's that's how I started talking to him. I thought I would be talking with someone that would look like me, because the Pleiadians, of course, supposedly look really close to us, mm-hmm. except for their ears. And there have been times when they alter their ears so they look exactly human-like. And um, and so I was really shocked to find out eventually, because he said he said I'm under the same rules that Gaia and Theo have, you have to ask me the questions. I cannot say, uh, you cannot say, uh, tell me what you look like, and I give you my whole appearance. Mm-hmm. He said, you have to ask specific questions. So it really took a long time for me to ask. And the one question I forgot to ask, that's not in the book, I forgot to ask if he had a, a tail 
And just a year or two ago, I happened to ask him if he did have a tail. And I said, oh, I'm so mad at myself for not thinking to ask you that. Hmm. So that's that's how we started. He's um, uh, he is uh, uh, also one of my, my soul group. Mm-hmm. That's something else that I discovered. Um, we, our souls uh, can split themselves into thousands of pieces. Um, for their lives on Earth, they typically have six to twelve soul fragments in what's called a, a soul cluster, um, having uh, having these lives, and each one of those soul fragments has a different soul interest. So as an example, um, when my my interests are um, is spirituality, religions, um, that, and, and advising world leaders. And I've got, you know, rooked into that one. And, um, uh, and his sole interest is mm-hmm. exploration and laying out towns and cities from the very start, from the very, their very inception. So that's his sole interest. And he's had 800 lives on Earth so far. So, um, uh, he's part of a grassroots first contact team and they are hovering 50 miles above us, um, in a Syrian mothership that is three miles wide. 20 stories tall and 11 decks. And this ship was the one that in 1997 or whatever it was, was the Phoenix Lights. So they're able to travel in time. They've only been on station three or four years, Earth years. But they simply, uh, he told the captain of his ship, there's a crew of 900 and and their families, 1,500 total. He told the captain of the ship what he wanted to do. The captain picked a night where there would be no planes flying that could crash into the mothership. Mm-hmm. And they they strolled through uh, Phoenix, over Phoenix, and, um, and Tucson, and then circled around, I think, maybe made a second pass. But anyway, and that his ship was the Phoenix Lights. Wow. What was the purpose of that event? I think it's all leading up to all this that's happening now. Pardon me just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I'm told that starting very soon, there's going to be many people seeing ET ships much closer. You know, not little dots in the sky, but much closer and they'll be, uh, uh, and, and Tura said, tell your readers to keep their cell phones handy because, uh, they're going to have chances to see and photograph, uh, ET scout craft and all at much, much closer range. And, uh, and then of course, my family and I, since, since I've been in international film and TV program distribution for 40 years and have executive produced uh, some super low budget movies that you've never heard of <laughs> that um, 
my family and I are, are, have been invited to come on board and tour a ship and shoot for 14 days. And mm-hmm. uh, also that will be one and probably two feature-length movies plus, <coughs> excuse me, a hundred um, a hundred episode series that somebody like a Netflix or Paramount Plus or any of the big big guys yeah. will want to have. That's incredible. So, so do you think that they're playing? That was actually the beginning of like some type of disclosure to everybody here, rather than yes. waiting for a government to disclose. They're actually going to just disclose themselves. Yes, looks like it. And we'll have free run of the ship until it'll be a four camera shoot, um, split in two cameras and two cameras, and uh, uh, we will have the free run of the ship with the exception of the engine room. They will not allow us in there mm-hmm. because they think too much could, could be given away or something. Right. Um, More dangerous well, technology for us. <laughs> yes. And it could be very well. could be dangerous technology. We'll have to <laughs> mm-hmm. the uh, continent up or something. So, um, uh, and, and also, uh, you know, we'll be there for 14 days, but but we'll be returned back to the same location uh, here um, as if we only left 15 minutes ago. I said, well, if I wasn't being cremated, I'd want to put on my tombstone. He actually lived two weeks longer. (laughs) 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 Anyway, that's, um, that's, What's coming up, and it'll be very exciting because um, one of the things that he's explained to me, keep in mind, they've been, the ETs have been here for millions of years. Right. Okay. And they have these, um, uh, they have these tiny drone cameras, and they are able to set them at a frequency just above our eyesight, so we can't see them. So they've recorded every major event in the whole history of mankind. And so, I mean, they've got video of Neanderthals and Cro-Magnons and dinosaurs, and, um, you name it, and they've, they've videoed it. And so while two of my cameras are going to be touring the ship and, and getting all the information about, about the ship and 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 all um probably my wife and i will be uh situated in one place and we will be interviewing not only there's 39 different kinds of races uh on the ship Mm -hmm. from 37 different planets so my hope is to interview like one hour interviews all the different races there are insect beings uh Plant beings, um, a couple of reptilians that stick to themselves. I can understand why. <laughs> and, and of course, Antura, you know, there's, you know, some of the crew are, are bipeds or whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and then uh, he said there's even uh, some people on board the ship that 
move across the floor with no apparent means of location. He said, you, you don't have anything on earth like them, so I can't describe them to you. You'll just have to see it. And so we're going to, my hope is to interview all of them. Then we're going to get into world history, which is going to be quite different than what, um, what's been told. Let's say, I would love to know what the real history is of this planet. Yeah. Well, some people won't because I'm told that all the religions are different than what actually happened. Mm -hmm. So just take take the Hindu religion. It's actually close to 60,000 years old. It's the oldest religion in uh, on the planet, but uh, because it's so old, that actual people uh, became legends down through thousands of years. And so that's, you know, that's, um, uh, that's going to be perplexing or, to people that think certain gods were gods, not people. They were. Also, uh, this is something that Hindu people don't know. Um, uh, Krishna had 77 lives on earth um, as Krishna. He, he inc- reincarnated 77 times in a row as Krishna. And I would have lives ever so often. And we were actually together during what's called, and I'm, I may pronounce this wrong because I've heard it pronounced different, but it was on American news program, so I don't know if they got it right either. But Mahabharata War uh, that actually took place. And he and I actually had to use a nuclear device on this despot that was trying to take over the world. And after that, um, flying machines were outlawed. And everything went down basic because they felt uh, all these weapons of war were too terrible and it would destroy the world. Hmm. Yeah, I've actually heard that there's archaeological evidence of like some nuclear events happening way before we had that technology. Yes. Um, well, that uh, that happened about 30, 31,000 years ago. So you can see why records and everything just disappeared over there. Is that what happened to Atlantis and Lemuria? They destroyed themselves. Um, both were given free energy by the ETs. Um, the Atlanteans had crystal energy. And there are people still scared of crystals, uh, afraid that we might return to crystal energy and do the same thing. But I'm told that will never happen again. And um, uh, so they were given this free energy and they developed laser guns, laser weapons. And they destroyed themselves in a horrible war. Um, well, first came... Uh, a natural calamity, uh, the continent of Atlantis um, uh, broke apart when a line of volcanoes in the middle of the country all blew up at the same time. 
they were all sitting on top of the mid-Atlantic ridge, and, mm -hmm. and that created that. And there were only islands left after that. And Poseidia and uh, Aaron were out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, the, uh, uh, Poseidia were the were the law of one, and the uh, uh, Aaron and, and five little tiny islands below that were sons of Belial, and Aaron did like a, a uh, Pearl Harbor attack one morning. Um, 325 aircraft flew up 375 miles to Poseidia and used these these laser weapons, thinking that uh, they knew where all the airfields were, but they didn't. And so the Poseidons um, uh, retaliated, and by the end of it, all the... Uh, uh, all the islands sank and the oceans of the world rose 41 feet. And this was the time when Noah in the Mediterranean, it actually happened 12,500 years ago, not 3,000 or so, mm. like uh, in the Bible, they, they got that wrong. And, uh, and he did not have wild animals, he only had domesticated animals. And they landed on the the bottom of Mount Ariat, Ariat, however it's pronounced, and uh, uh, instead of the top, like many people thought. Hmm. But that happened. And then I helped sink Lemuria. It was my worst life on Earth. And um, um, I was a religious leader in Lemuria, one of the five countries. And and we were at war with these other countries, and so I encouraged uh, the leaders to drop these two uh, uh, hydrogen-type bombs on two, the other two countries, thinking they didn't have a way to retaliate. Again, they did, and uh, by the time it was over, the whole continent of Lemuria sank. And that was 7,500 years ago. It took me 85 or 87 lives to balance that one life, which I consider my worst life on Earth. Wow. Hmm. What were those civilizations like? Were, were they, I mean, I always pictured them as being peaceful. You know, like I always pictured the lands as being this peaceful civilization with a high technology, possibly having communication with extraterrestrials, super spiritual. But it almost sounds like they were well, a bit warlike. The Lemurians were more spiritual and all. Uh, I asked how many lives have I had on each on each one of them because I was told I've had more lives on those two mm -hmm. continents than anybody else alive today. And I was told that that I'd have like 165 lives or 180, maybe 180 lives on Atlantis and only 65 on Lemuria. And I said, well, why is such a huge difference? And I was told that Lemuria was a very beautiful, peaceful place for years and, and years, thousands of years. It was only in the last thousand years of their existence mm -hmm. that they started warring. And... Um, so, the crap hit. <laughs> oh, what, what what caused that to happen? Like you, I would think once a, 
a society mm-hmm. reaches a certain point of spirituality in, in thought evolution that they wouldn't that they wouldn't revert backwards. Yeah, and uh, these countries in Lemuria were divided like Europe is today, you know, by rivers, uh-huh. mountain ranges, that kind of thing. So, um, and what's interesting is that Lemuria uh, existed within a hundred miles of Hawaii, and um, and the Lemurians for thousands of years, I assume, would vacation on uh, the the uh, uh, sands of Hawaii. Wow. Um, and of course, Hawaii uh, had more land at that time because, um, keep in mind, there have been three major uh, sea level rises. When, when the Atlantean continent broke apart, the seas rose 160 feet drowning every single person around the world that lived on the shores. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cities, towns, you know. And then, and then of course, came uh, the the war with the uh, Atlanteans, and the seas rose 41 feet. It did not cover the whole world like it says biblically. Uh, and, and so, uh, but it did cover the Mediterranean. And... Um, uh, and then the last rise was when Lemuria sank. The, the seas rose 172 feet. And again, wiping out everyone that lived on the seashores 7,500 years ago. That's why we have such little information because each one of these times that, that, um, a major event like this happened, it would, it would destroy all the records mm-hmm. from the previous few thousand years. Is there any truth to um, Egyptians being descendants of Atlanteans and that there's some type of library underneath the Sphinx? Well, they certainly have a library. Keep in mind, Plato, uh, Plato's grandfather had gone to Egypt and he had fought. Was uh, it Sauron? Hmm? Was that Sauron? I don't know. Hmm. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and so he he brought them back to Athens, and so that's where Plato got his information. And um, uh, and, and supposedly these parchments are still in existence in somebody's basement in Athens. It's kind of interesting. That's crazy. And so anyway, uh, when the Atlanteans about. 12,700 years ago, it was already looking bad. Okay. And I was, uh, I was an Atlantean living on Poseidon. And I, uh, I, at that time, I created what's called the gentle way. And I had about 1 million people following me on the gentle way. I was told at finally at one point, that I needed to leave and take people with me because they, uh, the Atlanteans were going to destroy themselves. And even was taken in an ET ship and shown where we were going to go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. So I and 25,000 of my followers in sort of waves because obviously it'd be too hard to feed 25,000 people at one time, migrated through Europe, uh, by various different methods to Egypt. 
when I arrived, um, the Egyptians were concerned because the Atlanteans had conquered the whole Mediterranean at one time before they had to withdraw um, uh, due to these, uh, uh, you know, the sinking of the, the continent. And so they were concerned that we were coming back. And there was this Egyptian princess that, at that time, um, and in her meditations, she was told that we were good people, don't worry about us, and she helped us resettle. Now, that Egyptian princess is my wife today, and in her next life, she's going to be a, uh, go back to about 12,500 years ago, and she's going to be some type of pharaoh, and I'm going to be her assistant. Now, that's a past life for me. I've already had that life, but mm -hmm. that's her next life. So, wow. So we can reincarnate backwards in time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, I've had several overlapping lives just in the 20th century. I was, uh, uh, I was a German, uh, soldier in World War One that got killed early in the conflict. I was, uh, a, uh, a little Jewish girl, uh, and was killed by a, a German kill squad in, in the beginning of World War Two. Um, I, in, in future lives, I'm going to be um, Sarah Northrup, uh, L. Ron Hubbard's second wife, and I'm going to help him write the Scientology book. And it's going to be better this next time because you you can change the past when you get, when you get there. Really? So we change the past, and that changes the present. Yes. Hmm. We're changing all the times. That's why I guess that's it's why like the, so, you know, so strange sometimes. Yeah, that's like uh, what, what's it called? The effect um, Mandela effect. Mandela effect. Yes, things are changing, and most of the time we don't notice it. Only little things like uh, a Jiffy peanut butter or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can you can Google for for your uh, your people uh, that are watching. They can Google the Mandela effect images, and they yeah. can see all sorts of, of differences. But the, the reason they call it the Mandela effect, for some someone that doesn't know, is that uh, supposedly he died in prison, but that was on a timeline that was joined with ours, and when it split, he was still in prison on our timeline, and uh, he uh, was released from prison and became uh, the leader of his country. It's weird because I remember both timelines. Now, <laughs> you know, I, I remember him dying in prison. I remember him becoming president. Yeah, well, see, I I didn't, but but that's interesting that you did. Yeah, it's this weirdest thing. That's why I, yeah. I definitely believe. The other thing that I remember too is when it was like the Kit Kat bar. You know, I remember it having some kind of dash in between it, and it doesn't. Some kind of what? I had like I remember like the Kit Kat bar between the words yep. Kit Kat having a dash in the middle. Oh. And it doesn't. No. It's gone. Yeah. I wonder if that's on one of those images. It is, yeah. But it is good. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. So if we can so, do that, if we can go back in time and change the future, 
Does that mean it's a possibility that we could go back in time and fix what happened in Atlantis and Lemuria so they would still be in existence now? No. But, I mean, it's in existence. Keep in mind, all of, all of the lives we're having, as I've explained to me, this Earth experiment, all the lives of everyone mm-hmm. are all happening at one time. Yeah. So yeah, it starts in... And this Earth experiment is going to go on for 7,000 more years. I'm told I'm going to be char- in charge of a cleanup crew that will return Earth back to its pristine condition. That by that time, there's going to be hardly anybody left on Earth. And we're going to be the crew that somehow makes sure everything looks pristine before we leave, we leave Earth. And, um, because Earth, um, is going to become a tourist attraction from not only all over our universe, but even the trillions of other universes, because people want to come here and experience just a tiny bit of this negative energy that we're, that we're experiencing, because there are four negative energies in the 10 positive. And, mm-hmm. and so when we start traveling to the stars, we're going to take small bits of this negative energy and we're going to spread it to first the, you know, the Federation of Planets and then they will spread it all over the universe. So we will affect not only our universe, but the trillions of other universes uh, will also start uh, getting this negative energy and they will start to grow again. Their, their vibrational levels leveled off and they've been that way for millions of years and having this negative energy, it'll start having them grow again. Really? So there's an actual positive outcome to negative energy. Yes. Yeah. And people have given me all sorts of suggestions of what these four energies are, and nobody's gotten it. I'm told that sometime in the future, um, somebody will will uh, uh, get it close um, but I'm told that the scientists are not even looking for this. They don't even know they exist. So it'll be many years before they even start looking, trying to figure out these negative energies. I'm told that our whole solar system is in these negative energies. Once you get out past like the Oort belt, belt uh, you start getting back into the 10 positive energies. Hmm. I guess no, it, it, it does make sense to me because I have another guest who comes on sometimes and he talks about Ohm's Law and how resistance creates growth. So I guess it's the same for these entities in these higher vibrations. Without the negative resistance, it prevents them from growing and evolving yeah. even higher. And, and keep in mind, we agreed to have these lives on Earth uh, veiled from actually knowing anything about our past lives. So I really, other than knowing that I was some type of spiritual leader on NOMO, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about those 100,000 lives. And, um, uh, and, and that's on purpose. They want, the creator feels that we'll come up with ways to solve problems that no one else in the universe has been able to solve, um, because we can't, won't be able to say, well, 
10,000 lives ago, you know, I had the same problem and this is the way I solve it. We can't do that. So we got to solve it a new way. Um, I was told recently that the, that a safety pin had never been invented before anywhere in our universe. That the invention of the safety, uh, I'm sorry, the paper clip, not hmm. safety, the invention of the paper clip, uh, was something nobody had ever thought of. Wow. So we are industrious. Yes. <laughs> we'll figure out a way to get there somehow. Is there any chance that we're going to be ever admitted or, or, or have we already been admitted into the Galactic Federation? Um, we're going to be admitted. I mean, keep in mind, they protect us, okay? They, they have rules that says, you know, there can be no huge, huge, uh, spaceships like, oh, take, um, from the Star Wars, you know, that, that Death Star. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are ships out there like that. Maybe even larger. I don't know, but they're not allowed uh, to get close to us. Um, uh, and Antares ship, which I told you is three miles wide and 20 stories tall. That's as, as big as they get. Um, the Pleiadians have a slightly smaller ship with a few less crew members. They're up there, of course. Um, there's, there's a total of about 25 motherships hovering over the world all at the same time. And sometimes they get replaced. So as an example, I'm told that every once in a while, another universe will send a ship and it will sit there and take readings because they're in this. So, but they're, they're severely limited. Only maybe one to two at, uh, from different universes at a time. Hmm. What about the moon? Is the moon a spaceship or is it actually organic? Um, on, on the backside, of course, there, there has been a, um, an ET compound or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm told it's very lightly uh, manned now because of the uh, amount of action, <laughs> you know, with ships starting to circle the moon and things like that. Um, there's very, very few people there. Hmm. Is there life on Mars? Hmm? Mars? Is Mars inhabited? Um, I don't think so. Uh, we're going to find life on Mars. And something really interesting, I think, and it won't happen on the first voyage to Mars, maybe the second or third, mm-hmm. but somebody is going to discover at a place called the Brown Mountains. Maybe if you hear of some mountain range being named Brown for a, for a, a, a scientist or a, uh, you know, an astronaut. In the Brown Mountains, um, they're going to find entrance to caverns. And eventually, that's where where all of our colonists will live in these caverns that will be protected from the severe changes on the surface. Hmm. Yeah. I, I always, I, I, what, was there ever life there, you think? I think there was probably life on Mars at one point. 
You think what? There was life on Mars. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They destroyed themselves. Uh, all, all, these, all these beings destroying themselves. Well, keep in mind, you know, they're in the negative energies, too. Uh-huh. The world. You know, all, of, all of the whole solar system. I asked, I said, well, you know, speaking of these timelines, I said, are all, you know, like Saturn and Jupiter, do they have a different... Um, whoops, yeah, <laughs> we're sorry. Uh, uh, do they have a a different um, uh, body for each timeline? I was told no. It was more of a blending. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. But it's cool. Then you know, I I believe that the universe is teeming with life and all these possibilities and everything that you're talking about is it's amazing it's absolutely amazing and the fact that you've lived all these lives and still have some of that knowledge is great I imagine what it would be like to be able to remember all those past lives well, <laughs> i'm glad we're done yeah your head would be, be like so full of memories yeah i yeah, don't but, you know supposedly all these people on these other planets you know we make more decisions in one day than a lot of them make in a month. Really? A year. You know, kind of really lazy lives. <laughs> hmm. Wait, so, till we, wait till we start feeding them negative energy. <laughs> <laughs> then it won't be so lazy anymore, huh? <laughs> yeah. so let me kind of replete, you know, everybody. You can sign up for my weekly newsletters at www.thegentleway.com book.com I, I I said book because I never thought I'd write more than one book I'm <laughs> six books along and um, uh, and also you can go to uh, uh, please go to the uh, articles and news section where I've archived all my weekly newsletters since 2007 mm-hmm. and click on the first one at the top uh, uh, which in this case is April 22nd and um, uh, just scroll down and you'll find tiny tiny uh, url.com uh, guns for groceries and please sign yeah yeah and i also want to put that link into the notes of this episode for people great. so they can go right to it from listening to this episode great thank you thank you this was a great interview thanks for coming on today appreciate it thanks for having me Anytime. Always welcome here. Happy, happy trails. <laughs> many and many benevolent outcomes. Thanks. And um, hang on for one moment and I'll play the outro.
That's why the book Enlightenment Guaranteed is the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable with Gary Cochulio. Recording stopped.